live from Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome to the Crossroads Sports Radio Show, presented by Scott K. Nichols and State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your hosts, Brandon Reef and Jonathan Birdsong. Hey guys, welcome to Crossroads Sports Radio Show. It's Brandon Reef. Today we have a special show for you as Jonathan Birdsong, my co-host, was able to have an exclusive interview with former Purdue standout and Jersey City native Roy Hairston. Roy has had coaching since at IUPUI, the University of Indianapolis, and currently is an assistant coach at Warren Central High School here in Indianapolis. Jonathan and Roy talk about his playing days from high school to the community college to playing at Purdue. The guys discuss Roy playing overseas and what got him into the coaching world. This is a great interview, and be sure to like and subscribe and show us that you like the show. As always, today's show is presented by Scott K. Nichols State Farm Insurance. And now, without further ado, here's Jonathan and Roy. Enjoy. All right, this is Jonathan Burson from Crossroads Sports, and we are sitting here with Purdue great, former great, former Purdue great, Roy Harrison. Roy, thanks for coming on to the show today. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. So, Roy, man, again, man, like I said, I got to say thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I think there's a bit... And then we kind of, like I said, me and Roy kind of talked a little bit off air. Like, uh, where are you? Where are you originally from, man? Because I think a lot of think, people think you are from since you went to Purdue uh, that you are originally from Indiana. But where are you originally from? I'm originally from Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, born in born and raised. Uh, I uh, attended um, PS Forty One for those listeners that may be familiar with Jersey City, mm-hmm. and I attended Snyder High School. And then from there, you know, I went to Hutchinson Community College. And from there, that's how I ended up at Purdue. Okay, so so you went to Hutchinson Community College. Don't, 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 don't try to just glaze over that like you just went to Hutchinson Community <laughs> College. So we're talking to, uh, the, uh, at that time, Hutchinson Community College is a junior college, right? But Correct. you are also, what, what other accolades did you did you record here while at Hutchinson? Are you not the, I don't know if it's still to this day, are you not the all-time leading scorer in Hutchinson College? Basketball history? Yeah, I am. Still to this day, I think it's something like sixteen or 1,700 points, somewhere <laughs> in there. Um, uh, freshman of the year, um, my freshman year, play of the year in the, um, in the conference, and also National Junior College play of the year, my sophomore year. Oh, okay. You're there. Got you. Right. Absolutely. I, 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 I know this, man. He tried to – so humble. Purdue guys are so humble, man. But, <laughs> but listen, man, so let me ask you this. So – during that time, so you went to you went to playing basketball as a youth in in the in the mid nineties, right? How did when how did you make the decision to go to Purdue? Well, actually, you know, I grew up a Syracuse Syracuse fan, St. John's, the whole Big East, and and uh, in, in high school, I was recruited by Seton Hall, a few. Big East schools, you know, Georgetown came in, St. John's came in, mm-hmm. and then I, at the time I was a non-qualifier. You know, I had the grades, but didn't have the SAT score. Gotcha. And that led me to, you know, to to junior college. And then, you know, when I got to junior college, um, I actually, you know, blew up in a sense is what they call it nowadays, right? My recruiting went went off the roof, mm-hmm. and, and na- more nationally. And um, we actually had a guy from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, named Marcus Levesque, who Purdue placed at Hutchins Community College. I think he went to Northrop, if I'm not mistaken. Very oh. athletic guard, um, high riser, mm-hmm. defender. I had committed to Purdue, and Purdue placed him at Hutchinson. So 
uh, my first year in the summer, we were all playing at Hutch, you know, just pickup games. And Frank Kendrick came in looking at Marcus. They, they weren't even recruiting me. They didn't even know I was there. And I must have impressed him enough. And they did the best job of recruiting me. And I felt comfortable with the decision. And that's how I pretty much ended up at, you know, at Purdue. Okay. So so how, did your, how does your family... Cause like I'm, I'm thinking like like Purdue, Indiana, like you know what I'm saying. How does that? And was it? And was coming to Indiana like a, a bit of a culture shock for you? Well, you know, growing up in Jersey City, New Jersey, I grew up in the height of the crack era, okay. and a lot of my friends were, you know, getting in trouble across the street from where I live. It was like a, a full fledged crack house. The whole neighborhood, you know, what what do you see in those movies back then? Is what you know we was actually living, mm-hmm. and you know my mom was cool with the decision of me being away because he felt as though I would be a lot safer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So going to Hutchison, which was more of a culture shock than going to Purdue because, you know, it was it was flat. It really wasn't, you know, a lot of African-American people there. Uh-huh. Uh, it just was completely different than growing up in, in the city. So I already had the culture shock before going to Purdue. Okay. So when I, when I went to Purdue... On my visit, uh, on my on my visit, Brandon Brantley, who's um, one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, you good friend of mine too, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So we kind of like hit it off on my visit, and I felt com- even more comfortable with him because we we shared a lot of uh, things from music, clothes, just a whole different thing. Then mm-hmm. you know, I felt felt like you know that brotherly bond with him you know what i'm saying so he helped out the decision more than he ever know because i felt comfortable with him being there i knew we was going to be there together for two years so right and getting to purdue really wasn't a culture shock because i already had had Taylor Hudson and i had you know you know someone that i knew i could talk to if things got a little rough which they did you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so because he had been there for two years prior. So, you know, it was one of those deals where I got somebody I know I can lean on if things get tough. So, you know, that also helped you know, in my decision-making. Okay. So let me ask you a little bit about the on-the-court transition. So going right. from, again, we just talked about scoring a whole lot of points in a, in, in a small matter of time at Hutch, right? So going right. to – an. Uh, a place for I would assume during Purdue. Everybody knows Purdue is. A, uh, I'm not gonna say organized, but they got a system where it's it's not just gonna be just one total guy just going crazy, right? We know this, right? So, what? How? How was that transition for you, going from maybe getting a whole lot of touches to getting maybe you know what I'm saying significantly less on the court, right? Um, it was, it was, it was, I'm not going to lie to you say it wasn't, it was tough. So okay. what I did, I revert, I put my mind back to my high school days where I played with a guy by the name of Rocky Burgess, right? He was getting all the touches and things like that. And then I came into my own and then I figured out ways that I can affect the game without just scoring. And, you know, going to Hutch, I was forced into the role of being a scorer because they needed someone to do that. And I was fortunate enough to play with the all-time assist leader there, John Hodgins, mm-hmm. who who kept me fed and things like that. And I was forced into that role at Hutchinson, right? right? So when I got to Purdue, okay, I can revert back to being in high school where I'm not going to get a lot of touches. But it was tough because I knew at times where – 
Uh, if he would have put me in the right situation, if Coach Katie would have put me in the right situation with different mismatches, being that I could handle the ball, I could play off the bounce, I could post up, I probably could have scored more. Mm-hmm. But we won. You know, right. you know what I mean? And it's hard to and it's hard to go against winning for your own personal goals, you know what I mean? Because right. we did win, you know, two Big Ten championships. The run in the NCAA tournament was not not kind of like what we expected, but we also was a part of history, you know, winning three Big Ten, cha- ten championships in a row. Right. Uh, it was the first team since, like, I want to say it was Bob Knight's somebody Ohio State teams or something, something like that. So, so we were a part of history, we made history, and – I think our our '96 group is probably one of the most underrated underrated teams in Purdue history because we didn't have like the big name star or a bunch of NBA players. And I think if we were coming out in this era with the success we've had and showed a lot of NBA teams that we can play team basketball and we have individual talent, mm-hmm. it probably would have been a, a different picture these days. But mm-hmm. nevertheless. You know, we had fun, we won, so, you know, life goes on. Right, that's the ultimate thing I think people kind of forget with collegiate sports is that that's what you're there to do. You're there to win. You know what I'm saying? There, you, there, I think the word develop and this next level, you know what I'm saying? That I, I, I get that, but I, you're there to win. You're there to win and get as far as, you, you know what I'm saying, you, the team can. And, I, I, again, yeah, Purdue definitely is a, a shiny example of that for sure. Tell me. Tell me a little bit about your fondest memory of Purdue. Was it a big time game, or you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, a big time game, or uh, yeah, a favorite moment. Um, on the court was actually playing against Michigan um, to win a Big Ten championship in Mackey. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was an early game. And we win, we win the Big Ten champ- championship outright. If we lose, we would have been a, we would have been uh, co-champs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it was it was packed in there. You know, all of our games were packed, right? But for some reason, for this game, it just seemed like it was more people in there. It was hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Michigan had a really really good team. They wasn't gonna you know just roll over. We had to battle and things like that. Mm-hmm. And Brandon had one of the most. I think a dunk that changed the game because Matt Tarninja was at Michigan at the time, got a dunk, and he ran back down court waving his hands, you know, in the air to our fans and things like that. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, the very next play, Brandon dunked on him <laughs> and did the same thing going the other way. It was an <laughs> So, you know, I was just, you know, just so happy that we were able to close the deal, you know, on that. And then probably off the court was meeting, was meeting uh, my wife, uh, who's my wife now? So, mm-hmm. um, so those are probably the two fondest memories that I have. Okay, that's what's up, man. So tell me, so you, you graduate from Purdue, we transition to overseas basketball, and I know uh, during that time, not a lot of eyes and ears, not like how it is now, man. Like, dude, I don't know, I don't know how your Instagram feed or your YouTube feed looked like, man. But like, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know at that time, and I'm, I consider my I considered myself a basketball junkie that that there were leagues like thriving uh, across the across the waters, man. So, to, how many years did you actually play? Uh, I played about thirteen. Okay, okay, and then how many countries? Uh, about seven, eight. Okay, okay. So tell me, um, okay, tell me about playing overseas. What does that look like? To, to, you know, because I, I don't think, because even now, I don't think people even now. I mean, again, I'm a basketball junkie. I, I, I watch, 
Uh, there's a there's actually there's an ABA uh, affiliate here in Indiana. There's actually an NBL team, several NBL teams, a league rather in Australia. So, but like, yeah, man, like, you know, tell me a little bit about what international ball looked like for you uh, during that time. I mean, in your 13 years, um, I was lucky enough between my south freshman and sophomore year to really see what Europe was about because they took a junior college all star team. Um, to Spain, so I really got a chance to see um, what it what it could potentially be as far as living in another country and getting adjusted to different cultures and things like that. Uh-huh. So in the beginning, now you did with a bunch of Americans on this tour, but then when you go as a professional, you're going by yourself. So you know you didn't have those friends and things to lean on when you was at those homesick moments. So I do remember, you know, just running on my phone bill. Trying to call back, trying to talk to different people to stay, uh-huh. to stay, you know, to not be bored or or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, but when I learned to embrace the culture of each country, it became easier for me. Um, and I say, you know, just as simple as something is like going to the grocery store here in the United States when we wanted to. I know when I was in France my first time. Um, we had a day off and I was going to go try to like, you know, load up my refrigerator with food. Being mm-hmm. a day off, you try to sleep in. And I woke up, it was like 11 o'clock, the grocery store had closed. And then the grocery store was going to open back up again at 3 o'clock because they take they was taking those breaks in between and things like that. So it's little things like that you have to get used to. You have to get used to used to, used to the language, mm-hmm. the style of play. The style of play is a, is a little different. Um and then also, too, the, the pressure can be a little different because a lot of times, based upon your performance, is how you can get paid. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so you, as an American, you always looking to produce and things like that back then. You know what I'm saying? So um, there were always certain teams and general managers would come say, it's a big game, big game, big game. We need this game. We need this game. And then there's rivalries and things like that. So the pressure can be a little different. Mm-hmm. But only thing you can control is going out there and performing to the best of your ability. Um, so once I learned to embrace the culture of each country I was in, it, it became easier and easier and easier. And then, you know, when your family come over, you're always looking for those moments mm-hmm. and things like that. And then playing against, against you know, different teams where they have different, different Americans, you find out that their team is only 45 minutes away. And you make friendships, um, life-lasting life friendships with different players because y'all bonded by a game and y'all in a completely different country. Right. You know what I'm saying? So um, I can recall being in Italy with Kiwan Garris, who's another Big Ten alum, Lamont Barnes, Daryl Wilson. We all was on the same team. And we had Thanksgiving <laughs> in in Italy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we drove to the military base. We were able to get turkey. You know, <laughs> every, everything that we would have had. In the states, we had it in Italy, so you know our families came together, wives cooked, and had a Thanksgiving dinner. So you know it's things like that, you know, that people don't realize they go on with Americans. That you know we try to make it as normal as possible for us, right. and building those friendships over the course of a season, you know, lasts a lifetime because I still talk to those guys to this day. Okay, okay, that's what's up, man. We'll, we'll probably come back to playing overseas, man. But I want to, I want to kind of transition to uh like how you what I want to transition to this question like how you got into coaching. Um, uh, it's 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 kinda it happens by happenstance because I didn't want to coach. 
You know what I mean? I didn't want it. But Roy, you passionate, man. No, like so everybody listening, man, I didn't I don't know I, I met Roy literally on the internet, right? On a you know what I'm saying on a on a on a debate post. How about that? On right. a, on a sports right. debate, local sports debate post. Our, our good our, our another good friend, mutual friend, another he actually comes on to the show too. Uh Ken Barlow comes up with these great, fantastic uh, basketball debates, man. And I I gotta I, like I say I met Roy uh, uh, many many years ago, and it's actually and, it, and I, I actually met him another time. Like I said, I, met, I physically physically met you in the flesh, right? A couple weeks ago, and this right. is kind of we kind of we kind of talked about it about you know what I'm saying. So hey man, I know you're passionate about basketball, so uh, you can't you, you say you didn't you kind of backed into coaching? Yeah, I didn't. Right, I'm passionate about. I always been passionate about basketball, but I was never passionate about coaching. Okay, so you know this. Uh, my wife would like listen to me talk on the phone and things like that. And then she was like, well, you should coach, right? I didn't want to coach. I was doing real estate at the time. And then the company I was doing real estate with, um, the lady who brought me into real estate, uh, Kristen Bryant, had a son. Well, she has a son that was getting cut from a team and couldn't find, you know, a U team. So she was like, how about if you coach, you know, we can start one. So I was like, I didn't, I didn't know and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, okay, I said, I will do it, but only if the kids, you know, if we have kids that are in the same situation as your son that has been get, getting cut, overlooked, and things like that. I didn't want to go after the best players and, you know, quote-unquote best players. Right. I wanted those kids. So we ended up putting that together, and then it just went on from there. Uh, then I started working at different high schools here, and then I made a phone call to uh, Nick Nurse, who's the Toronto Raptors coach. I had played for him in England back in 2000. Okay. And he was the coach of the uh, G League, um, the Iowa, the Iowa, Iowa, I forget the name, the logo of the team, but he was the head coach there. I just called him out of the blue and I said, hey man, you know, I want to get into coaching. If you have anything, let me know. He called me back. He said to me, I have something, but you may not like it. It was uh, only thing I could offer an apartment, basically, to, to move to Iowa. Okay. So I jumped on that opportunity, went, and basically for free. But I learned, I learned a lot. You know, I learned uh, how he was with the players, how mm-hmm. he managed the players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the day to day detail um, manner in which he carried himself. So I learned a lot. And I was really was like, well, this is something I can do. The players were listening to me when I was working guys out. So my job was to, you know, work the players out. Cause, you know, and it, and, it, and it was the D League at the time. So players were coming in and out. I have to pick them up at the airport, work them out, mm-hmm. get close to report. I had some scouting reports, which I didn't know what I was doing. at the <laughs> nights where I'd be staying up late at night trying to figure it out. Okay. Um, but I would get my work done. And that's where I developed more of the passion for it that I could, you know, really, really do it. And this was in 2011, so we went up, went in the, went in the uh, D League championship in 2011, mm-hmm. and, and it just, I just tried to find different jobs from there. And then it's just so hard to crack into college. It's just so hard. You would think with the resume and playing and things like that, mm-hmm. but me, it just was so hard to find, you know, the, someone to give you a chance to get at the college level. Mm-hmm. And um, I was fortunate enough to do it and things like that. So that's pretty much how I, how I got into it, man. And it's just something I love to do. I just love, you know, trying to help the next generation of kids 
uh, fulfill their dreams. Well, you're at, you're at, you're at Eastside Warren Central now. And as a Roy, honestly, in, in my in my in my in my nine to five job, I work for the YMCA. Right, everybody knows this on Crossroads Sports as well. We right. we haven't hit we haven't hit to the point where we can just be independent millionaires just yet. We can we do our own podcast show, right? But like, right. You know, I know how youth are now. The, the millennial, I call them. I mean, they are the millennial youth versus the Generation X mindset that that you and I might have, man. So, dude, I, so what what kind of challenges? What kind of challenges are you facing as as a coach when it comes to like how some of the kids' mindsets are? Because it's it's similar, but it's a little different, right? And what you have to do, you the hardest thing is to um, because a lot of times some some of these kids have been told that they're great. You know, they score 10 points, they go into the NBA and things like that. So the people around them that don't really understand are setting the kids up. Mm-hmm. I would say for failure, they're setting them up, up for a false reality. And I just try to come in and try to clean that up. But yeah, it is a possibility. But there's a lot of work and I saw on the data, the percentages and things like that of kids that make it. So the hardest thing is, is that and then this era of sense of entitlement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, had I not played the game, I could kind of understand your vision, but I know how hard it was for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that I'm better than anybody, but if it was hard for me, and you guys at this point are so far behind where, where, where we were, what uphill climb do you think that you have? You know what I'm saying? So, right. I just try to give him a clear picture that, hey, take, you know, try to win every day in the classroom, on the court. Win each day. Put your best foot forward. Are you getting up early and getting extra shots? Are you staying late and getting extra shots? Are you watching film? Are you taking care of your body? Are you going to school, taking care of your classmates? Are you being a good citizen? Mm-hmm. Because all those things going to come into play at some point in time to be recruited in college because they're going to want to know your background. Right. And things like that, especially with the way that NIL deals are now. I'm like, yeah, listen, take it one day at a time. And wherever that may lead you, it leads you. You know what I'm saying? But right. don't put so much pressure on yourself as far as trying to be a pro and then you're not doing those steps to be a pro because someone who don't know how to be a pro is telling you how to be a pro. Right. So right. It's just trying to clean up a trying to clean up a lot of that and then just give these kids the best vision, you know, possible on and off the court. Okay. Okay. Hey man, like I said, I I'm not gonna try to keep you, man. I do I got a couple more questions for you. Okay. Um, no problem. But I gotta ask you, man. Being part, so like it was reported last week. I heck, I didn't even know, man. And I like, you know, what I'm saying rare, rare little like gems, man. But it was reported that Purdue has the your your alma mater has the most Big Ten championships of any program. You right. know what I'm saying, of course. And you just you just said it, man. You you've been a part of that, man. Do you still keep like a, a watchful eye of, of of Purdue hoops? Always, because you know. You know, when you talk to other guys, you talk about and it's like that. You always want to be abreast on what's going on, especially at your school. So I've been following Purdue ever since I left. Mm-hmm. And I watch it even more so now because of, you know, my good good friend Brandon's there. I want him to win. I want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. And it is true as far as the Big Ten. But, right, the, the winner in me, the competitor in me, it's like, okay, we want the big one. You right. know what I'm saying? right. And that's the one that's, that has eluded us for years. I thought we had a really good team, a chance of doing it with Robbie Hummel. He tears ACL. I thought uh, last year was a really, really, you know, 
good chance when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran into a team from my hometown, St. Peter's. So that was that was bittersweet at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that was a team that can get it done. And it's looking like this team, you know, has a chance of really, really getting it done. So I just hope they continue to win in ways. You know, it's all about matchups when you get to this NCAA tournament. And hopefully they can get favorable matchups. Right. They can take a uh, Okay. Okay. Let's let me ask you this, man. So I know you played in a lot of different places, man. A lot of different places, man. Tell me a little bit about playing in Russia. I know it wasn't necessarily playing in like playing in the eighties in Russia. That's really like that's the real Cold War. But you know, tell me about playing in Russia. All right, I'll, I'll give it to you like this. I remember driving down High School Road on my way on my way home, and my agent called. And it was kind of not late, but it was getting towards where jobs were starting to get fulfilled overseas and things like that, especially at the level that I wanted to play at. Mm-hmm. And he called and said, hey, I got a good deal for you in Russia. I said, let me think about it because, you know, everything that you read about Russia is the first thing that comes to your mind or you've seen on TV. Right. So I pulled over and I was like, golly, man, is this the best is it going to get for me going to Russia and that, that, that. So, you know, I talked to my wife a little bit and, you know, said, I'll go. So I go and it, the look of it is exactly what I imagined it to be. Okay. Spring. Mm-hmm. And so I get there. They didn't have my apartment. The apartment wasn't ready. So I'm staying in a hotel. This apartment wasn't right. So I'm staying in a hotel. So it took me about two weeks to find, you know, the right apartment that I thought was suitable enough for me to, 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 to be comfortable in. So we found a really nice apartment, and then you know basketball is basketball. Uh, the Russian players were, were were really really nice, helping me adjust and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you know the living is different. You know it's cold. Uh, we we was on train rides for like fourteen fifteen hours oh, to wow. get places because it's civil engineering is not so great. So now it's just trains everywhere. Right. And then you on flights, they smoking on the flight, they got these feet, <laughs> oh, you know, they don't kick the chair down on the flight. Uh-huh. You know, it's one of those. It was a good, it, it was an experience. And and then that was my first year there, then my second year there. I played two years there, then the second year I played was a really, really it was a bigger city, nicer city, and you know, uh a lot more Americans that I knew from the States were over there. And another good friend of mine, Chandler Thompson. And we actually was in my city, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I know Chan don't mind me sharing the story. We just was minding our business. It was like a pizza place, game room place, and things like that. Uh-huh. So this drunk, this drunk guy just come, and you could see him like bumping people at the arcade. Just was bumping up with his stomach and things like that. His little entourage. It was me, Chandler, some of our teammates, some of his teammates. And Chandler told him, he was like, Roy, I know this guy gonna try to bump into me. So we standing there and I tried to defer it. Well, I tried to, you know, try to defer it by coming in front of Chandler. Mm-hmm. But the guy beat me there. He bumped Chandler, Chandler bumped him, boom. And, and you hear a bunch of Russian talk, a bunch of American talk. So our team is like, yo, let's get out of here. We gotta get out of here. We gotta go. Mm-hmm. So come to find out, this guy was a big time Russian mob boss. Oh, man. So oh, our teammates had to like uh, defuse it. It's like, hey, it was a big, big, big mistake because it stands American basketball players. Blah, 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 blah. So according to them, it was like a really, really big situation that they had to defuse right. pretty much for our safety. But luckily, 
you know, they did a good job of diffusing it. Absolutely. And uh, and that's why, you know, I can relate to Brittany Griner because my agent told me, hey, they are strict with these type of rules. Don't uh-huh. get yourself in any trouble where we have to, you know, do some things to try to get you out of there. And also, too, I met Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf over there. Okay, he played over there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and that was my first year there. And that documentary that's coming out, he told me a lot that happened that, that's going to be in that documentary mm-hmm. before it came out. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, one of the most peaceful, pleasant brothers I've ever met. Okay. Uh, highly educated man. He put me on some things um, that goes on in the world years ago that I'm seeing play out now. So he was definitely before his time, man. And I, and I felt so bad for him. Right. The way everything kind of shook out here but in America. He, You're right. He was absolutely. So humble and so at peace in his faith and everything that went on that he was okay. He was over there with his spiritual advisor. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fact, on the plane ride back from the States from Russia to New York, we sat beside each other. And that's how I learned, you know, so much about him. It was like a Christmas break, I think. And that's how I learned so much about him, man. One of the most genuine, peaceful. That's probably one of the best conversations I've ever had in my life with a human being. Okay. Okay. Well, Roy, man, I kind of kept you over. I do apologize. But listen, no, man, this is not going to be our last time chatting up, man, because we still got to talk about right, – we're going to get you booked on to a live show. Yeah, we got because we got to talk because uh, yeah we got to talk about Jersey and hip hop and your love yeah, for, yeah, for, for, for sure. your town man because you know everybody our, our homie Brandon don't don't show the love for Jersey like he should man but <laughs> this, this, if you want to shout out Jersey man one time man take us out Roy hey man Jersey City born and raised I wear it on my chest I walk with it you know it's just a part of me it is me so salute Jersey City <laughs> thanks Roy. Thanks for calling. No problem, man. Anytime.